Psalm 46. We've spent the last several weeks this summer studying the Psalms. And I just want to remind you um, briefly this morning of the weather report. It rained. It rained last night. And it, it was as though this rain was, was the, the drop of water that the dry earth had been longing for for months. And my prayer for you this morning is that this psalm is the drop of water that your soul has been longing for for months. We've just come out of really the last 13 psalms have been laments or imprecations And finally, in Psalm 46, God speaks for the first time. God responds to the cry of the desperate heart. Formerly, the enemies have had voice. Where is your God? Where is your God? And the soul has had voice. Why are you downcast? And today, God speaks. So, would you turn with me to Psalm 46 and follow along as I read. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters His voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. In the midst of the drought, in the midst of the problems, in the midst of all trouble, the presence of God and the providence of God cause our fearful hearts to be still. In the midst of all trouble, the the presence of God, that God is with us, and the providence of God, that He is at work, cause our fearful, restless hearts to be still. You may have noticed this psalm is divided into three stanzas, each of them divided by a selah, a pause, an instrumental, perhaps. The first describes the human condition, the problem, The second describes God's presence and the following, His providence. So look with me at verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. 
God is a refuge and strength. And the picture, the picture that this gives me is two perspectives. One of them is passive. He is a refuge. You can run to him. But the other is active. He is your strength. He is the castle, yes, but he also is the army. He's not some foreign, distant ally that will rush into your aid. He is your king. And this is your kingdom. And he is with you. And this refuge and strength, this God, is a very present help in trouble. Not, uh, not just a present help in trouble, a very present help in trouble. It is, if you're at all like me, so easy to forget this. To maybe hope that God will show up, to maybe hope that when I have a problem that God will come through, when in fact He is very present all along. One of the troubles that I recently had was last November, uh, our car was in the shop, and it was a major repair. And after I got the bill, I, I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to pay for this. Um, so I got in my other car, and I drove to a thrift store, because things are a lot cheaper at a thrift store than they are at a mechanic. And I walked back and was looking for some things. Perhaps I could resell some things. I don't know how to make this happen. And walked back to the book section and pulled out two books that were in dust jackets, um, signed by Dwight Eisenhower. I thought, well, that's a peculiar set of books to find in a thrift store. And I thought, well, I don't know if I can pay for these now, but I'll, I'll see. So I pull out my wallet, and I have $8 left. And the books are priced at $8 for both. So I bought the books, and I take them home, and we look up to see if we could possibly sell these books and the price that people are selling these books for is to the exact dollar the price of the car bill. What, what, is, what is this? So uh, we put them up on eBay and we wait. We wait. And uh, nothing happened. God provided for that car bill in other ways. But it was a car, and it was back in the shop four months later. So I thought, I saw these books, I thought, maybe now God will provide. Maybe now God will take care of us. No, he provided through other ways. Again, I still had these books burning a hole in the closet. And I was expecting uh, another big bill at, at come tax season, and the Lord provided again. I still had these books. The books didn't solve the problem. But for $8, I was reminded every day that God is with me. That God is a very present help in trouble. That God knows details of my life that no one else knows and cares in ways that no one else cares. And reminded me through two little books that he's able to do something that no one else is able to do. If I could, if, if for eight dollars I could subscribe to a daily reminder that God is with me and that God is a very present help in trouble, I would do that. The book sold this week. I 
didn't have any need for. I didn't have any outstanding bills. I don't know why they sold. But God is present in trouble. My question, though, is what are your troubles? What are your troubles that might cause you to doubt or forget that God is near, that God is a refuge and your strength? What are your troubles? Because the psalmist will help you and answer, God is your refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And he continues, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar in foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Of course, this is poetry, and it is hyperbolic in its immensity. These are uncontrollable events. They're irrecoverable events catastrophes, chaos. What would you add to this list? God is a refuge and strength, a present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear, though the... cars in the shop again. Though mom and dad are getting a divorce. Though it's terminal. God understands the human experience. The psalmist understands the tension that we live in. We live in a world of though, thus. And they are legitimate cause for concern, for anxiety, for fear. The normal human psychological response to these stimuli are fear, and worry. And yet for some reason, God who understands our experience says, therefore, we will not fear. Therefore, do not be afraid. Faith, the eyes of faith, look and see that though the earth gives way and the sea is raging, God made the sea with a word. It will remind us, faith reminds us that Jesus calmed the sea with a word. Therefore, we will not fear. The first stanza concludes with a Selah. And I want to give you a moment just to pause. To pause. And perhaps you need to fill in that blank, though the blank God is my refuge in strength, a very present help in trouble, therefore I will not fear. You see, in the midst of the problems, in the midst of trouble, 
the presence of God and the providence of God cause our fearful hearts to be still. The poet here in Psalm 46 moves, and it's a natural movement. He's just written about the chaotic waters that rage and foam, absorbing mountains, and he's reminded, oh, a river. There's a river. Uh, There was crazy water, but there's also a river. Look what he says. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. This river has streams, and these streams gladden. Okay, contrast the water in verse 3 with the water in verse 4. Chaotic waters, uncontrollable, and they cause fear. A river whose streams cause gladness in the city of God. This reminds us of the 23rd Psalm where the shepherd leads his children beside still waters and restores their souls. This is a great reversal of of the chaos of my experience, the trouble of the waters I'm in with the way that it is when God is there. Verse 5 continues talking about this city. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. When this city is besieged by foreign armies, God is besieged along with her. When this city is threatened by outside forces, God is present. And she shall not be moved. Again, that movement, we've we've seen that word used in verse 2. The mountains are moving, but this city will not move. This summer I've spent hiking with my two-year-old daughter, and she started to pick up on these beautiful mountains we have around here. And I show her a mountain, and then we walk around the bend, and she can't see it anymore. And so she starts to, she shakes her head. This is her sign for Mountain is no, I can't see the mountain. And every time around the corner, I remind her, the mountain is still there. You can't see it, but it hasn't moved. And perhaps this psalm will correct my, uh, my advice to her. The mountains may move, but the city in which God dwells will not move. It will not move. Because God will help her. God, the very present help in trouble, will help this city. And though the weeping might tarry on for the night, joy will come in the morning. God will act. Though we might forget it, though we might fall asleep and forget it, God will act. If you're taking notes, I'd like for you to take your pen and attempt to draw this city. Draw what comes to mind when you think of this city in which God is in the midst of her. Uh, Perhaps your drawing might start with a river. That would be a good thing because it's included in the description here. 
But as soon as you start drawing it, you might notice a couple strange things about a city. That this city has no walls. That this city has no weapons. That all the citizens of this city are enjoying a picnic, basking on the beach. There is in this city uh, shalom. There is peace. There is rest. There is gladness. And if you can draw that, do. (laughs) In this city you will find, yes, the presence of God and with Him you will find peace. But nothing has stopped outside this city. Look at verse 6. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. I think the Hebrew poetry is a little bit more, um, it's more staccatoed here in in duplets. I'll, I'll try. Nations rage, kingdoms totter, utters voice, earth melts. The nations, you see, are doing what the chaotic seas do, raging and frothing at the mouth. And but a word will silence them. But a word will bring the chaotic seas and the raging nations shriveling in submission. But a word. And this stanza now concludes with the refrain of the psalm in verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. The Lord of hosts. Yahweh Sabaoth. The God of angel armies. The God who leads the armies of heaven. The host of their number. Incomparable in their strength. Is with us. Faith, the eyes of faith, find in the presence of God solace to silence the fear. And this stanza again concludes with a Selah. The refrain, the refrain, I believe, it begs a question though. It says, yes, the the, the Lord of hosts is with us, but the question that I have is, is God's presence, is His presence enough? Will He do, will He do anything about this? Really all along in the Psalms, the psalmist has been saying, just do something, do something. I, I believe you, I love you, I trust you, I know you're with me, do something. And so this next movement in the psalm, the third stanza, invites us to come behold his activity. Look with me at verse 8. And I'll invite you as the psalmist invites, Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. 
And it is here that the psalmist is inviting us to come behold God's providence or really simply the protective care and activity of God in the world. The rain that fell last night is an act of providence. God providing. But it's a little interesting. Come behold the works of the Lord. This is going to be good news for you. And he says he's brought desolations on the earth. It seems peculiar to me. This is the sense I can make of it. The destroyer, God destroys. The desolator, God desolates. Charles Spurgeon's helpful here. He says, In every place where God's cause and crown have been disregarded, ruin has surely followed. And he points then to the ruins of Babylon and Assyria, of Petra, Bashan, and Canaan, as well as even in his own day, the dismantled castles or abbeys that he recognized were symbols of oppression and superstition. Come behold, God acts. Verse 9 then, he makes wars cease to the end of the earth. Providence makes war and providence makes wars to cease. Providence causes the rain to fall on just and unjust. And I don't know why it is that way. I don't know why God acts the way he does. But here's the experience the the, the poet puts into words. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. This is a picture you can just imagine kids playing in the woods and one kid is just getting beat up. And he cries out, Dad, Dad, help, save! And Dad runs out. And what does he do? He grabs the weapon of the one bully and he breaks it. And he runs over and takes the weapon from the other bully and he burns it. In a similar way, God providently hears and responds to his people. Making war cease. And his words then, when God speaks in response to all the trouble, in response to the raging nations, in response to my fear, in response to my desperate longings of Psalm 43 and 42 and 41 and 40, he says, be still. The same words he says to the sea, be still. The same words he says to the nations, be still and know that I am God. Literally, release, let go. The words that we use are stop it, be still. 
and know that I am God. Know, recognize and know. Do not forget that though you see one thing, I am doing a million things. That though you are concerned with one problem, I am engaged in a million problems, sustaining the entire earth. Know that I am God. Know that I am with you. Know that I am a refuge and a strength for you and for all of my other people at the same time. Be still and know. For I will be exalted, God says, among the nations and in the earth. Among the nations that rage and in the earth that rages. In all of this activity, in the million things that God is doing, when I see and fixate on but one, He will be exalted. He will be lifted high. Even the desolation for the one and the deliverance provided the other will serve to resounding worldwide praise at the wisdom, the justice, the mercy of God. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's interesting that the psalmist uses the phrase God of Jacob. Yes, he's the God of Israel, but of the guy Jacob. You remember Jacob? Jacob, who earned the nickname the Striver? the one who wrestled with God, the one who strove and deceitfully gained his brother's inheritance, clung onto his brother's heel, wrestled and strove. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of the striver is our fortress. Be still. I think that is beautiful poetry. So the eyes of faith again then find in the providence of God, in His activity in the world, solace which silences our fear. Selah. Would you take just a moment to consider God's activity in your life, ponder God's activity in the world, and let it cause your heart to be still. The words of that refrain, the Lord of hosts is with us, point us back to the place, the city where God is with us in verses 4 through 7. And I just need to tell you, this picture of a city in which God dwells is an old picture and a future picture. This story of God begins with a city, a garden city where God dwells with the man and woman he created in perfect intimacy, in perfect shalom, in perfect peace. God walked among them. They spoke with Him. And the story ends in a garden city. 
where God is in the midst of His people. People from every nation, tribe, tongue, and language are all in one space. There's a river bringing life. There is perfect peace. And between these two cities is where the psalm is written. Between these two cities is where my experience is found. Because only two pages after the first city is built, sin enters the world and ruins everything. It breaks everything. It, it really, sin introduces the question, where is God? Sin introduces chaos into the story. So is God present? Is He only present in His cities? Or is God present here, now? If you were to continue turning the pages from the first city, God speaks to a man named Abraham. And He says, Fear not, I am your shield. And then makes a covenant with him, promising to bless the world through this one man. And you turn a couple more pages, and God speaks to Moses and tells Moses, Build me a tabernacle, a place where I will dwell in the midst of my people, saying, I will be your God, and you will be my people. And when the people run away from God, he sends judges who again fight on behalf of God, delivering the people from their oppressors. And when they run away from him again, he sends kings. One of these kings builds a temple, a temple, a permanent place in which God dwells with man, a curtain shielding his presence from the people. And when the kings lead people away from God, the prophets arrive, speaking forth the words of God, saying, Come back. Come back to the presence of God. And one prophet in particular cries out, God is coming to you. And you turn a couple more pages in this story until at last Jesus, the centerpiece of the story of God, arrives right between the two garden cities. His name, Emmanuel, God is with us, manifests God's presence in His incarnation. John 1 says that Jesus, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, literally tabernacled among us. At the end of his life, the temple curtain that shielded humans from the perfect experience of God's presence was torn in two. At the end of his life, he rises from death, making desolate sin, death in Satan. Just prior to his ascension, he speaks to his followers, says, I will be with you to the very end of the age. Then Jesus ascends. And you wonder, okay, God is with us, he's gone. 
But in John 14, Jesus made another promise to his followers that another helper, the Holy Spirit, will be with you forever. Again, an ever-present help in trouble. 1 Corinthians 16.9 demonstrates that no longer is the temple a building, a location where God dwells, but the temple has been replaced by your bodies. The Spirit dwells in you taking up residence, God with you, in you. And He will be with us until the day when Jesus, God with us, returns to earth. Not as a baby in a manger this time, or riding on a donkey, but as a warrior seated on His horse. Revelation 19 fulfills the picture of Psalm 46. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and he makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. He has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The comfort of the promise in Psalm 46 is found in Jesus. If you are with Jesus, then God is with you. Psalm 46 is all about Jesus. Are you with Jesus? If yes then He is for you a very present help in trouble. In fact, He dwells within you. In fact, the peace that's experienced on the bookends of the story works its way into your life, into your heart. No, if you're not with Jesus, then Psalm 46 has no promise for you. God is with His people. That's fundamentally, that's why as a church, our goal is to connect people to Jesus. Connecting people to Jesus brings life where there's no life and hope and peace where there's no hope and peace. Because without him, we are but alone. So we could change really the big idea of this psalm to this. In the midst of our problems, in the midst of our trouble, Jesus causes our fearful hearts to be still. Martin Luther, uh, the great reformer, inspired by the words of this psalm, agrees that Jesus is the centerpiece to Scripture and to this psalm. In his hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. This, this hymn was translated from German to English in, in really a similar way as the Psalms are taken from Hebrew and translated into English. And so our English translations 
need to be smoothed out a bit to capture the singability um, or even the understanding of the original. And I came across a woodenly literal translation of A Mighty Fortress is Our God this week, um, translated from German, that I think it might be helpful even just to hear different words to a song that you know. A strong castle is our God, a good defense and weapon. He helps us become free from every misery that has now affected us. The old evil enemy is now in earnestness with his intents. Great power and much deception is his cruel armor. On earth is not its likeness. With our power, nothing is accomplished. We are soon very lost. The right man fights for us, whom God himself has chosen. Do you ask who that is? His name is Jesus Christ, the Lord of hosts, and there is no other God. The battlefield he must hold. Even if the world were full of devils and we would want to, and would want to swallow us up, we would not thus fear so very much. We will nevertheless succeed. The prince of this world, how bitterly he might pretend to be. Nevertheless, he will not do anything to us because he is judged. A little word will fell him. That word they shall let stand and will have no thanks for it. He is with us according to plan with his spirit and gifts. If they take the body, goods, honor, child and wife, let them go away. They will have no profit. The kingdom remains for us. Let's pray together. Father, would you cause our hearts to be still, to know that you are God, that your story begins and ends in a garden city where you dwell with rivers that bring gladness. Father, let that water quench our thirst here. Holy Spirit, help. Remind us of Jesus, who is God with us. We need to know you're with us. We need to remember you're with us. Remind us. And we do anticipate the day when all wrongs are made right, when finally we, we see and experience that the God of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Would you keep us until that day? In your name, amen.